This is Reverend Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, California. This is the morning worship service. Our address is 2850 Fairview Road, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Our website is pccov.org, and our Facebook page is pccov. And our email is info at pccov.org. We welcome you to this service. Our vision statement is that the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a Christ-centered community set free by grace and placed in our neighborhoods to serve and to invite all people into a wondrous relationship with God. God bless you as you worship with us. Costa Mesa. We are glad that you are here on this bright Lord's Day morning. Please take a moment to sign the friendship books and pass them down that we might have record of your worship, that we might greet you by name. We have visitors here this morning. We have the Eagle Scout troop all uh, in support of Owen, and you'll be hearing from them in a moment, so raise your hand if you're with a scouting organization. And, uh, and stand up if you are Owen. Stand up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. We will hear more from you in a moment. Uh, we have some visitors here today. Um, Cynthia is here, Sandy's daughter, so welcome, welcome, Cynthia. Um, good job. What's that? Oh, another sister. How many sisters do you have? Lots. All good. And they're all here. Jennifer, welcome, Jennifer. Welcome, Jennifer. And uh, Andrea is back here somewhere. Raise your hand, Andrea. There she is. Welcome, welcome. She's new to us. 
other faces we may introduce? All good? All good. My name is Charles. We have our Bible studies in full swing this week. Our men's uh, group, the daytimers, meet on Tuesday afternoons. We're starting a new um, biography of Billy Graham, so that begins on Tuesday. Our Wednesday group uh, meeting up here, a women's group, and then the Thursday morning group continues on. So all are welcome to those. All are welcome. Our annual meeting will take place after worship next Sunday afternoon. Actually, it will be morning unless I go on and on and on. Uh, the 27th, so 11 o'clock is our annual meeting next week. Um, other announcements to make today? You know, this is a um, joyful congregation, and we make a joyful noise every worship uh, morning. Um, sometimes we make too much of a joyful noise while Brother Micah is doing the postlude because some people want to listen to him. So if I could, and if you could take your joyful noise out into the gallery um, after worship, then, then we can hear him. And you know the loudest congregation I've ever served? I mean, these people would talk during the sermon. <laughs> Was my Edinburgh congregation. They were just, they were making a joyful noise all day long. So stand up, please, and greet your neighbor in Christ. Say hello to your friends. Welcome new people who are here. Good morning. As Pastor Charles said, what a joyful noise. If you could please take your seats, we're going to begin our worship service. Please stand as the choir leads us into worship this morning. join me in our responsive call to worship. The Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory. To all who received Him, He gave power to our children of God. Please pray with me. Eternal God, your Son, Jesus Christ, now exalted as Lord of all, pours out His gifts on the church. Grant us that unity which your spirit gives. Keep us in the bond of peace and bring all creation to worship before your throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let's join in our hymn of praise this morning. Thank you. 
seated. And may we have all the boys and girls come forward for the children's story, all youth, everyone from Syria, come on up. <laughs> yes, here they come. Nice to see you today. It is a special weekend in the life of our country. We are celebrating tomorrow, what day? Martin Luther King Day. And I wonder if you can remember some things about Martin Luther King's life, what he stood for, what he said. Yes, he was against racism. Doesn't matter what color your skin, all are equal, all are God's children. He stood against injustice, and he was for equality and peace and hope. So, a symbol of that is a candle. And um, I wonder whether one of you could light this candle for us. Could you? Okay. No matter where you are, in school or at home or in your neighborhood, you can be a symbol of hope and equality and peace. Don is the expert. Oh, very nice. So let's, let's say that you are a candle of hope, of light in your neighborhood. Where else can you be a candle of hope and light? In, in school, so where's another candle in this church? Oh, there's one over here. Who's going to light that? Oh, no, you've got you to keep it over there because you're in school. <laughs> you're in school. Um, so neighborhood, school, home. Home, a candle of hope in your home. Any other candles in this church? And in your heart. Candle over there? You want to light that candle over there? Awesome. So matter where you are, you can be a candle of hope and justice and peace. And we will remember tomorrow... No school tomorrow, right? There we are. So, we're going to pray now, but then we're going to stay right here because Elder Jeff is going to come up and talk to us about some exciting things and he's going to introduce someone that we want to get to know. So let's fold our hands and bow our heads and pray. Oh God, as we celebrate as a nation uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, 
um, thinking about justice and equality and uh, how all of your people are equal under your sight. Um, we pray that we might be candles of hope and justice and peace wherever we are, at school, at home, in our neighborhood, in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you could sit right there, and uh, Elder Jeff is going to come forward and talk to us a little bit. Good morning. I'm Jeff, otherwise known as June's husband. So, um, this morning, we're here to honor one of our scouts. Um, Our troop um, 339 has been here for 44 years. Just a note about the the rank of Eagle Scout. Only 4% of the 30-plus million scouts earn the rank of Eagle Scout across the world. Some of the people who have earned this rank are Neil Armstrong, uh, Stephen Bechtel of Bechtel Corporation, Stephen Breyer, Supreme Court Justice, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, famous poet, Ronald Reagan, Gerald Ford. He did that without falling, by the way. (laughs) Michael Bloomberg, James Lovell, an astronaut, Steven Spielberg, Jimmy Stewart, Stephen Stephen Byrne, our own Stephen Byrne, Christian Redman, Philip Mansour, and uh, now we have our own Oh, and Nguyen. <laughs> but there are others of you in the audience who have been associated with scouting, and we would like to have you stand and be recognized. If you were associated with scouting at all, if you were scouting Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, So our own scouting community is huge and and alive and well. So we have a short presentation, um, a little film that we're going to show, uh, about 30 seconds or so, of the project that Owen uh, and his troop uh, did for us here.
So if you have a moment and you can wander around to the back of the church, you'll see the, the great work Owen has done. We have a plaque, two plaques, one that goes on each bench. And uh, June is going to give Owen one of those plaques, and then Carrie is going to give Owen the other plaque in recognition of his work. And the plaque reads, it reads, uh, Eagle Scout Project Troop 339, Owen Nguyen, December 2018. I just wanted to offer you this card here in our thanks and recognition for all your hard work. Um, you have been a light in a time that we were in discernment and trying to figure out how to give our children a play yard that they can love and appreciate, and you brought that to us, so we are forever thankful. Owen has brought with him a contingent from uh, 339. Would you all stand? And we can recognize the group, mother and father. It takes a village, and this is one of the villages. Thank you so much, Owen, and thank you very much. You have a, a, an activity after a church? No, not the Okay, no, okay. Okay, yes. all right. Owen, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Stars in the sky. 
indescribable, uncontainable. You displace the stars and sky, and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, all powerful, untamable. Awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. Let's sing that again. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, all powerful, untamable. Awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. You are. Yeah. 
Is your love for me? 
If we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, then God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us together confess our sin against each other and God. Together, merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. May the God of mercy who forgives all your sins strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen.
so blessed to have the music that we have here at Covenant Church. Thank you. We have two scriptures before us this morning. The first taken from Isaiah 62. Let us listen for God's word to us. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest 
until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God rejoice over you. Our second lesson is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 2. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing to you. We pray and worship and listen now through Christ, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today we have everything and the kitchen sink in this service. A moment for finance which included pictures of our beautified play yard and a shout out and hearty thank you to Owen for his craftsmanship in building the table and benches leading to his well-deserved Eagle Scout Award. So that, and coming up, thank you to outgoing elders and deacons and the ordination and installation of incoming elders and deacons. You would think a shorter sermon would be in order today. (laughs) You would think which reminds us of the pastor serving a church where the attendance was going down and down and down and where the finances were going down and down and down and the church board called the pastor in and said, 
You know, we could turn this whole decline around in our church if you wouldn't end every sermon with the phrase, but then again, what do I know? <laughs> but then again, what do I know? Two texts today, Isaiah 62, 1-5, and our Lord's first miracle at Cana in Galilee in John 2, 1-11. The commonality of these two portions of Scripture is simply yet profoundly the incredible generosity of God. The incredible generosity of God. We sing week by week in worship, praise God from whom all blessings flow. So these two scriptures, Isaiah 62 and John 2, eloquently speak of the generous God from whom flow all the blessings of heaven and earth. If those scholars are correct to view the last few chapters of Isaiah as a third distinct section of the prophecy, this Isaiah 62 is a continuation of the Epiphany text that we looked at two weeks ago in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In this third Isaiah... The exiles have now returned from Judea, from captivity in Babylon. They had begun to reweave the fabric of their personal lives and restore the glories of the nation's life in now a devastated land of Jerusalem. The text in Isaiah for these exiles in coming home is full of exuberant joy. It portrays new deeds and the astonishing mercy of a generous God the writer in Isaiah 62 is so brimming with, I just can't wait to tell you, enthusiasm that he or, or she cannot hold it in. Verse 1, for Zion's sake, for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, for Zion's sake, I will not rest. No silence, no rest until her vindication shines like the dawn and Israel's salvation breaks forth like a burning torch. Once Judah, an embarrassment, a people of pity from surrounding nations, captivity for 70 years, Jerusalem destroyed, the people distraught. One such song that we heard last summer, a song of lament from Israel's then imprisonment in Babylon, Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, and there we, what? Wept as we remembered Zion. Now, Isaiah 62, the prophet sings out because she or he will burst like a child coming home from school with an incredible story or a person who gets offered an amazing opportunity. Why nation shall see Zion, Jerusalem's vindication, and all kings will recognize your glory. It's true that Israel as a nation could go from devastation in exile to a hundred years later exuberant joy in freedom. And that same turnaround can come to us as well. Some of us, probably many of us, have gone through dark, dark times in our lives. A lost job, a loved one's death or departure, a physical limitation, a mischance at what we had dreamed to do or to be, 
The good news of Isaiah 62 is that the same incredibly generous God who surprised Israel by leading them from utter sadness in Babylon to astonishing delight in their return to Jerusalem, that same generous God is our God too. That God can find us in complete sorrow and bring us in mercy to overflowing happiness. I'm not a diary person. You keep diaries? The closest I have are old sermons. <laughs> but I can read my old former sermons and you can read your diaries or memories and we remember, yes, we remember difficult years. Yet here I am and there you are, the same people who once said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And now we read Isaiah 62, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give you. And you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. If in a hundred years God's astonishing generosity can turn a nation around, that same God can bring you out of darkness into God's marvelous light, said the Apostle Peter. What I like about the Bible and what I like about our Christian faith is that darkness and sadness are real. Israel lived in a real difficult day. And so at times do we. But it's this real darkness that makes the light all the more brilliant. And how are we to be that crown of beauty that the prophet talks about? How do we know it's true that we are a royal diadem? How did Israel know? We heard it twice in that little phrase, twice. We are crowns of beauty. We are royal diadems because we are in the hands of God. That's an important prayer for us as a community in 2019. That's an important prayer for you personally, for me. May I be in the hands of God this week, this day, this year. It was our Lord's last prayer at the cross before His death. Remember? Into your hands I commend my spirit. We are in God's hands, and that's good news from Isaiah. What's the good news from John? I'm very excited about this clicker here. I'm afraid if I give you a clicker, you're just going to click me off on something. <laughs> In short, a miracle. It's water turned to wine, and a whole lot of it. Our story begins on the third day. That's the third day after Philip was called to be a disciple. Jesus was attending a wedding in the village of Cana. Cana is a lovely community. It was and still is a small community nine miles northwest of Nazareth. The disciples were also invited to this festive event that may have lasted seven glorious days. An ancient wedding began with a procession in which the bridegroom's friend would bring the bride to the groom's house and then the wedding supper. Interestingly, Cana was Nathaniel's home, one of the disciples, 
Could the wedding invitation have come through Nathaniel? After hours, maybe days, the wine ran short. The text says it gave out. None left. Then Mary, no mention of her name by John, simply the mother of Jesus, said to her son, they have no wine. Much debate about the response of Jesus. Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? Literally, Jesus said, what to me and to you, woman? No dishonor, just clear my hour, my death date has not yet come. Mary takes no offense, rather maybe anticipating something she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. John describes six stone jars, water jars, each capable of holding 20 or 30 gallons of water to be used for religious purification ceremonies. Jesus orders the servants to fill them with water to the brim. Now we have, do the math, 120 to 180 gallons. And they filled the jars. And Jesus ordered, draw some out and take them to the chief steward. A chief steward may have been a friend of the bridegroom who had been chosen to run the wedding ceremonies. When the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, fine wine, the steward called the bridegroom, and the steward said to the bridegroom, bad wine comes out last for obvious reasons, but you have saved the best for now. So concludes John, Jesus did this, the first of his miracles in Cana of Galilee, and he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So what about this water to wine? Many a conservative interpreter have written that this story of winemaking is simply symbolic. It can't be real wine. That would offend their teetotaling lifestyle. And many a liberal commentator have written, water to wine, that's a physical miracle, that's a supernatural event, that can't be done. So the conservatives say that Jesus wouldn't do it, and the liberals say that Jesus couldn't do it. Another thing, all of our Lord's other miracles were done in plain sight, except this first miracle at Cana. A blind person is giving seeing eyes, a sick child is healed, given back to astonished parents, a storm is stilled and disciples are rescued, but this miracle at Cana is done off stage, and it unfolds in such a convoluted way, doesn't it? At no point is the reader ever told that Jesus turned the water to wine. The steward knows he is sampling good wine, but he doesn't know where it came from. The servants do know it came from the jars, but they don't know it's wine, and possibly the wedding guests did not even know a miracle had taken place. Only the disciples knew, and of course Jesus knew, and now we do too. May I suggest as we remember this miracle, we remember two words from the story of Jesus' first miracle. The first words and both words are about time. The first word is then. The then of this story is a time in history, a day water was changed to wine. The beginning of a three-year earthly ministry in the city of Cana. 
But that day, that ministry, that city was the beginning of God's redemptive then. In the day and ministry and place of Jesus, God's glory was revealed and the redemption of those who believed in Him would be accomplished. We look back to this miracle, this ministry, this land of Cana, and we say that was the then of our salvation. Our redemptive then was then. God was reconciling you and me to God then. And the second word is now. If the story of our Lord's first miracle is only about then, then it's just a delightful story about a merry party in a quaint Middle Eastern village long ago. But this story of Cana is really about now. It's about you and me now. Why? Because the Apostle Paul wrote that the grace of God in 2 Corinthians 6 is now. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. People ask me of the 23 interim churches I have served, what's my favorite? And I always say the one I'm in now. The now is the only time that we can act. The now is the only time we can change. The now is the only time that we can receive the grace of God. Now is the day of salvation. I offer that prayer for you. Then and now. Jesus said one day in Cana, it's time for the best. And the same Spirit of Christ speaks to the first, the dear Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, it is time for the best. The gospel is good news for the world, it's good news for the church, and it's good news for you and for me. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the promises of our God abide forever. Amen. Shall we pray? God, you remind us that the time of our salvation is now. So we utter a prayer in our hearts. Come save us. Come redeem us. May it be so. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Twenty-three interim churches. I almost called you the First Presbyterian Church of Portland, Oregon. You're the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, aren't you? So we're going to ask the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant Costa Mesa ushers to please wait upon us for our morning tithes and offerings.
please be seated. We give gifts to outgoing deacons and elders. Pat, would you please come forward, outgoing deacon? Lynn is here, or is she in the nursery? Outgoing deacon. Carlina, could you go get Lynn and have her come in so we might recognize her? Is Tracy with us today? Come, come Jeff, receive her gift. <laughs> and Dusty, outgoing elder. Is Dusty here? He was a few moments ago. Here he is. There he is. One of um, Sharon and Amy and my most beloved authors is Henry Nowen. We have used him on many occasions. And uh, we have a gift for our outgoing uh, deacons and elders. So uh, on behalf of our church, we want to thank Lynn Beard for her faithful service. Come forward, Lynn, and receive your gift. She's coming fresh out of the nursery. <laughs> and this book is called The Life of the Beloved. It's uh, a spiritual living in a secular world, and I know that you will enjoy that. And uh, Dusty, Henry Nowen's Life of the Beloved for you. Thank you for your faithful service as um, elder. I understand you're being replaced by somebody better looking than you are. <laughs> and uh, to Tracy, thank you for your faithful service as elder at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. Thank you, Tracy. And to Pat, thank you for your faithful service as deacons. To all these dear ones, we are very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now we are going to be ordaining and installing our new elders and deacons. So if you are a new elder and deacon, please come forward. Phyllis as new deacon. Sandy as new deacon. Bob as new elder, and the better-looking <laughs> Debbie. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but the same Lord who is served. We are called into the church of Jesus Christ by baptism. We are marked as Christ's own by the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling to be disciples and servants of our Lord Jesus. Within the community of the church, some are called to particular services as deacons, as elders, as ministers of word and sacrament. Ordination is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his ministry continues among us providing for ministries of caring and compassion in the world, ordering the governance of the church, preaching the word, administering the sacraments. So we have elected these new people to be elders and deacons, Bob and Debbie to be elders, and Sandy and Phyllis to be deacons. So we ask you now constitutional questions, and these questions are on the board for us all to see. And Pastor Sharon, will I be asking you these questions? First of all, do you all trust 
in Jesus Christ, your Savior. Acknowledge Him as Lord of all and head of the church. And through Him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you? And do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be by the Holy Spirit the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ and the church universal and God's word to you, do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the Constitution or Confessions of our Church as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? And will you be governed by our church's polity? And will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit, will you? And will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world, will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? I do. Will you seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? I will. To the deacons. Let me do the ruling elder first. Okay. To you ruling elders, will you be faithful elders watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? All right. For the deacons. Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need? In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Okay. We're going to ask that you sit if you would like or stand if you would like. And we're going to call upon all deacons, current and former, all elders, current and former, all ministers of this denomination or any denomination, current and former, to come forward and lay hands upon these dear ones and we'll offer prayers. Please come forward. The laying on of hand is an ancient symbol of God's blessing, God's presence. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for your steadfast faithfulness to us. In every age, you have called forth leaders to serve you and equip them with your gifts. Among your people, Israel, you anointed prophets, priests, and rulers 
You called pastors and teachers, bishops, elders, and deacons to build up your church. With Moses, the 70 elders bore the burdens of your people, ministering in the power of your spirit. Alongside the apostles, deacons cared for those in need and guarded the community's peace. In the church, elders, deacons, and pastors served together so that your whole people might be equipped for ministry to build up into the full unity of Christ. For your servants of every age, O God, and for the church of Jesus Christ, we give you all thanks and praise. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit upon our deacons, that they may be faithful deacons in the church, give them openness to the Holy Spirit's leading, that they may serve and see wherever there is need, train them in the school of prayer, O God, that they may express the compassion of Christ for the poor and the friendless, the sick, the grieving, and the troubled, equip them with courage to bear the gospel in the halls of power, to communicate your presence and might among those who are powerless. And everything give them the mind of Christ who did not grasp at greatness, but emptied himself to become a servant in your reign. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for their work of ministry. And God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit upon our elders, that they may be your faithful elders in the church, Give them prudence and sound judgment, wisdom and courage, in order that the life of your church might be obedient to your word. Nourish them in the life of the Holy Spirit, that they may exercise the ministry of discipline with humility and compassion. Guide them in governance on this session and in every court of the church, that they may be your servant leaders following Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for others. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for their work of ministry. May our elders and deacons be blessed with grace, humility, wisdom, and power from on high. Through Christ our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Congratulations to our elders and deacons and welcome to the community of Christian service. I'm wondering what he was saying. Still have our question to the congregation. Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask Amy to put the question to the congregation concerning our new elders and deacons, please. Do we, the members of the church, accept Debbie, Bob, Sandy, and Phyllis as ruling elders and chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ. If so, say, we do. We do. I'm sorry. <laughs> do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us, 
Serving Jesus Christ who alone is the head of the church. If so, say, we do. We do. <laughs> now would you join me in a time of prayer? Tender and merciful God, in humbleness we bow our heads and ask you to fill us once again with your love. Let it overflow into every area of our lives so that each thought and decision, each word and action will proclaim your glory and the eternal truth that Jesus is Lord. Show us, we pray, how we can be your light in a hurting world. We give thanks for these newly ordained and installed deacons and elders who have answered your call to serve. We pray for our deacons who seek to follow Christ in a life of service. We pray for the elders that they may govern fairly and wisely. Bless them all as they lead and bless this congregation. We pray for the victims of the pipeline explosion in Mexico, and we also pray for a society where people are so desperate for survival that they take such risks. Almighty God, in Jesus Christ, you ordered us to live as loving neighbors. Though we are scattered in different places, speak different words, or descend from different races, give us common concern so that we may be one people who share the governing of the world under your guiding purpose. We pray for our world, which has seen so much violence this week. We lament the suicide bombing in Assyria and the loss of life that followed as once again ISIS shows its presence. We grieve with those in Nairobi as more innocent lives were lost due to violence. And we heard of a plan to attack Washington that was prevented. So much violence, so many innocent lives lost. Oh Lord, we pray for an end to this. We pray that people may learn to live together in peace. On this Sanctity of Life Sunday, we are reminded of what an amazing gift each life is. We especially remember how precious are the unborn lives, and we pray for them. We pray for wisdom and guidance for those who do pregnancy counseling. We pray for protection for the unborn, and we pray for organizations who support them. Tomorrow we celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday and the impact he had on our nation <clears throat> and race relations. But Lord, we have so far to go before we can say there is equality. Be with all who work to make all lives matter. Be with all in authority that people are treated equally, fairly, and respectfully. Help that Martin's dream can be realized. Eternal God, you sent us a Savior, Jesus Christ, to break down walls of hostility that divide us. Send peace on earth and put down greed, pride, and anger 
which turn nation against nation and race against race. Spread the days when wars will end and the whole world accepts your rule. Make us instruments of your peace. We pray for our nation and its leadership. We pray for resolution to concerns, the wall, immigrants, the government shutdown, and our local teachers' strike. We pray for leaders to work across political borders and work together united as our nation proclaims to be. God, you are the strength of the weak and the comfort of sufferers. Mercifully hear our prayers and send healing to those we love, that through your power sickness may be turned into health. There are those in our midst whose days are filled with uncertainty. Invade their gloom with the warmth of your loving care. Give them the sense that you are there. Give to us a measure of the compassion that Jesus showed. Help us to be open to all in need, that we may become instruments of your mercy. Mighty God, whose word we trust, whose spirit enables us to pray, Accept our requests and further those which will bring about your purpose for the earth through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now would you please stand for our closing hymn.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest and reign with each one this day, this night, in the season of Epiphany and forevermore. Amen. This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you. <laughs> 